Welcome to the Movement Logic Podcast with yoga teacher and strength coach Laurel Beversdorf and physical therapist Dr. Sarah Court. With over 30 years combined experience in the yoga, movement, and physical therapy worlds, we believe in strong opinions loosely held, which means we're not hyping outdated movement concepts. Instead, we're here with up-to-date and cutting-edge tools, evidence, and ideas to help you as a mover and a teacher. Welcome to episode 18 of the Movement Logic Podcast. I'm Laurel Beaverstorff, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Sarah Court. Today, we're talking about teaching private clients and how to like it. Yes, you heard that correctly, how to like it. Now, maybe you are a private teacher of some kind, and you already love teaching privates, and you're like, what's not to like? In which case... You have nothing to learn from this episode, and you can go ahead and turn it (laughs) off right now and find something else to do with your day. Uh, But if you are like, yeah, I teach privates, or I did it one time, and I find it, or I found it mildly too extremely difficult, annoying, boring, or just plain awkward for some reason or another, you may want to listen to this episode because Sarah and I have been there, Mm -hmm. and we've lived to tell the tale. And we would love to share with you that we're both currently teaching private clients slash patients, and we're really jiving on it. So we wanted to share with you what has changed. Now, as you know, by now, Sarah and I are coming at this from different perspectives. Sarah's a PT, and I am a strength coach and yoga teacher. And we want you to know, too, that while we we did both decide on this topic uh, for our conversation, we've not actually had this conversation before because, you know, we this would be the kind of thing we would talk about you know over the phone but because we're so busy making this podcast we haven't had time to have those conversations so we figured we would just record this conversation that we would have over the phone together anyway and share with you because why not, why not? and so <laughs> uh we're going to start it off though in typical movement logic podcast fashion by defining terms okay yes. so private clients what do we actually mean so By private clients, Sarah and I mean students we meet with one-on-one for a period of time, maybe it's 45 minutes to an hour for various reasons. So Sarah for PT, me for strength or movement of some kind, and we'll contrast this with the other ways I teach, which I teach group classes, and we'll contrast this with how Sarah sees some of her outpatient PT clients in the clinic that she works at, that someone else owns and operates, right, Sarah? Um, This is not what we're talking about with Sarah. We're talking about the uh, the clients or the patients that Sarah sees outside of the clinic on her own, her own gig. So um, obviously Sarah is meeting with patients one-on-one and I am meeting with students or clients. Uh, Although I would add that in my opinion, All patients are students, but not all students are patients. And they're certainly not when they're in front of me because I'm not a clinician, Um, which means that when I refer to privates, I'm referring to private, you know, movement clients. So um, Sarah's talking about patients. I'm talking about movement clients. So we've defined terms. So this brings me to my first question, which is, Sarah, when you teach privates, Mm -hmm. where do you do it? Do you do it on Zoom? Is it in your home? Is it some, your client's home? Is it some other location? Where, Where is this happening? All of the above. Oh, um, wow. Certainly during the pandemic, it was all on Zoom. And I know I'm just saying that as if the pandemic is over, but... I know. Uh, but, 
<laughs> so very not. <laughs> uh, but certainly in the time when we were, uh, you know, when I wasn't going into other people's houses, let's mm. say, or I wasn't going somewhere to, to teach something, it was all over Zoom. Um, I do also have people, I still have some people that I see over Zoom, um, but but most of, most of them at the moment are in person. And then um, I know it looks super glamorous where I am right now as I'm recording. <laughs> But what I where I am, in fact, is in a a corner of a cupboard uh, <laughs> that, that is full of it's it's in my office. So I also have an office, a dedicated <laughs> office at home, and um, which but this is I mean this is like this is the first time I've ever had this. You know, previously mm-hmm. it would be if they came to me, we would work in my living room. I would mm-hmm. push the coffee table back, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What's really nice about having this dedicated space is. Um, I mean, I, I get to have a room that basically has no furniture in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this closet, which if I turn the camera around, you would see is just full of yoga props, weights, um, PT props. Like it's, it's everything nice. that I've ever amassed over the years or that anyone's given me, um, you know, and, and the nice thing about having the de- dedicated space as well is that um, I, uh, I like to retain a certain amount of uh, professional privacy, I guess. Mm. And so when someone's not coming into my living room, yeah. you know, this, this space here, it's, it's decorated, but it's, it's like, it's not like, oh, there's, there's, you know, half of a burrito that I ate yesterday or, <laughs> oh, here's, here's, I mean, no, I wouldn't leave that out, but like, you know, it, it feels like it's a space that I get to call professional and doesn't have that kind of, you know, I'm not overlapping and bringing a, a patient into my house, like my house house. Oh yeah. Um, and then I also do what I, you know, I, I call them house calls just because it's, that's an easy way to refer to it, but I do go to people's homes and work with mm-hmm. them there as well. And can I ask um, a question? Sure. Do you charge a different rate based yes. on whether they come to you or you go to them? Oh, wow. I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because, uh, just because yeah. you don't have to, it but my sense. feeling is like, you know, for me, uh, you know, like after we record this podcast, for example, I have a, a, uh, client who is coming here. Mm-hmm. I have to do almost nothing mm-hmm. until before to prepare for that because everything is here. Everything I need is here. Right. I don't have to drive. I don't have to think about traffic and how long is it going to take. Yep. I don't have to like pile things into and a you're bag. you're in LA. And, yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's more expensive for me to come to you because it's more effort for me to yeah. come to you. That's basically yeah. my thinking. Yeah. But Zoom and uh, you coming to me is the same price. That's basically how I set it up. Cool. Because it just allows me to literally be like two minutes before texting a friend and then here you are, you know. Cool. And how long do you meet with people for? An hour. An hour. Cool. Yeah. And um, how are you liking it? I really like it. I really mm. do. And I like it. Um, I like it much more now than I did when I was doing it as a yoga teacher. Because before I was uh-huh. a PT, I was a yoga teacher and I was doing that thing where you, you know, you teach two group classes and then you zoom off to somebody's house and then you you know, like all of that kind of thing. And, and I was, were you always teaching in other people's houses as a yoga teacher? Um, mostly, but that was mm-hmm. also cause I was in New York and my apartment was tiny. Yeah. And yeah. also I think, I think in New York in particular, the, the appeal of a private is somebody's coming to your house. Yeah. Because it's a pain in the ass Yeah, to go anywhere. Yeah. But I, I, I was trying to think about why I, I like it more now than I did then. And I realized sort of why, and I don't know if, if that's something we want to talk about now, or if you've got. Something. Yes, I do. That's my next question. So I, my next question was like, do you teach private? Did you teach privates as a yoga teacher? And, and what was that like for you? Did you like it? Yeah. Um, did you like I, it? 
Yeah. I mean, I think the short answer would be sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it had a lot to do. I realize now it had a lot to do with how well I understood what the point of me being there was. Mm -hmm. And there could be plenty of reasons for me to be there. Um, And the times that I didn't enjoy it were the times when I didn't totally understand. And, and now I realize like, that's, that's a little bit on me as the person to, Mm -hmm. to help define with my student or my patient, but I didn't understand why I was there. Mm. So for example, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, yes. Yeah. I used to identify with with everything you're saying. Yeah. I used to work with this couple and it was, it was honestly one of the most hilarious scenarios I ever, it was the funniest hour of Tell my week. Tell me more. Because me more. <laughs> <laughs> they were, um, let me paint you a picture. Okay. They lived uh, in a very, very fancy part of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to the point where, and this is especially meaningful, I think if you, if you live in New York, but, but I think you could probably recognize it, the, the level of, of wealth, uh, even without the building, so not only were they in a doorman building, of course, mm-hmm. but the elevator opened to their apartment. Oh yeah, I had I had one like that. Yeah, so there was no there was no like the elevator opens and then you go down the hall and there's five. No, uh-uh. the entire no. floor. Yeah, was their apartment to begin right. with. And then there were also in the what's it called foyer? Eight, <laughs> I don't know the first the room where nobody spent any time were original incredibly expensive pieces of art mm. by very famous artists. And I was like, wow, this is what they decorate their hallway with. Yeah. Um, so that's, that'd be how I pay for my college tuition. I mean, my God. Yeah. So, so, uh, and they were both perfectly nice people. They were mm-hmm. nice to me. They were never rude to me. Nothing yeah. negative ever happened. Mm-hmm. But what I found hysterical. And at first I was like, well, so what, what they what they would do is they would talk to each other the entire time oh. about like, hey, did you call who's you order back? Or like, hey, what time is that dinner on Thursday? They, they would just be like, and I would have to jump in and be like, okay, down dog, like in between when oh. they were talking, you know, I would have to yeah. kind of like try to make something happen. And at first I was very frustrated and I didn't <laughs> because I was like, I can do way more than, than just yell things out and kind of stretch like I could really teach these people how to feel better physically or what they need to be working on like I was like this is this is a waste of my time and then I (laughs) (laughs) and I was like you know what or you could look at it a different way which is right this is their hour right they have hired you for this hour (laughs) they've made it super clear through their behavior that they're not looking to you to teach them anything in particular. They want to do some yoga. Mm. They're busy people. Mm -hmm. This is also probably the first time today that they've actually been with each other. Probably. Right? Because they've had their busy work day. Yep. So who cares what you're doing? Like I kind of, and then when I, when I got to that sort of, you had to get over yourself a little bit. Yeah. I had to get over myself a lot. I spent a lot of time getting over myself. That's a daily activity (laughs) for me, but I had to get over myself a huge amount. And then once I did, I actually enjoyed it more because it just mm-hmm. was funny. And then things would happen where <laughs> like we would, they would be like, oh, uh, like the doorman would come up with a package. They'd be like, oh, could you grab that for us? Oh yeah. Then. You no. Know? And I was like, at first I was like, I'm the yoga teacher. I don't grab your package. And then I was like, who cares? Yeah. I'll grab a package, whatever. Yeah, and then right. one time we had to stop everything that we were doing because 
one of their children was having singing class. P.S. We could hear singing class. It was terrible. But we had to all go stop and listen to the child singing something. Right. And go, oh, great. And then go back to, you know, the yoga. So it was, that, that's a really kind of extreme example, but, but it was, it it's was a very good one though. When I, where I had to, I, I really did have to get over myself and I had to mm-hmm. be like, you know what? It's not a huge hassle for you to get to this location, right? It's not like I had to do like an hour commute each way. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, one of the higher income hours that I have in my week, right? Which mm-hmm. is that ta- what we talked about during like the burnout episode, like having periods of, of work that have more value, right? Mm-hmm. It's not hurt. Nothing. Nobody's getting hurt mm-hmm. except maybe my ego. Yeah. And <laughs> so, so who cares? Right. But that, that, that was a. That was an extreme example. I remember also. Um, how long did you, know, you work with them? How, what's that? How long did you work with them? Um, I worked with them right up until I moved to LA. So, so let me see. It was at least a year, mm-hmm. and I would have kept going except I was I was leaving. That's the only reason. Right. I didn't. Okay. So yeah. So it, it did. So it there was the trade off was worth it, right? Yeah, the trade off because you were getting compensated well. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, they were fine. I didn't hate them. I wasn't right. Like, exactly. They yep. weren't rude to me. They weren't they yeah. obnoxious. There were no deal breakers. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you have some crazy private teaching stories? Well, yeah. So I wanted to say that I can completely relate to everything you're saying about teaching private yoga sessions because I did teach a lot of them actually in the beginning. And it was one of the ways that I learned how to teach yoga. Actually, it was a really important way that I learned how to teach. And um I, in the beginning, it felt like a really fun challenge, but then the trade-offs of having to wake up at like four to be at the investment banker's place at five so that he could get to work by six was, you know, those started to to pile up. Um, I do, I do have stories that are different than yours um, where I, again, this feeling of not really knowing why I'm there mm-hmm. and the cognitive dissonance of like, should I be doing this? Is mm-hmm. this my place? And, and, and this largely had to do with like maybe scope of practice um, mm-hmm. because let's see, I met with uh, a guy whose elevator opened his entire mm-hmm floor in Soho. And he was a really nice guy, actually, um, investment banker. And he wanted me to do these really strong adjustments in Mm. twists. And it was just twists. And I didn't get the sense that there was anything weird about it. He just really liked the feeling of being rotated his mm-hmm. spine rotated and like I was starting to feel a little bit like a chiropractor <laughs> and I, you know, and I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But he, um, he just, he, that's what he wanted. That was sort of what we did. Every single session was like, I want to do deep twists. Mm-hmm. And I was like, in my mind at that point, first starting out, probably my first or second year of teaching had no frame of reference for like how I should feel about that. Mm-hmm. Um, on one hand, I was like, twists are good. On the other hand, I was like, I was not trained to do really strong hands-on adjustments and I did not believe in them as Mm -hmm. beneficial at that stage. I know some 200-hour, 300-hour trainees are are brought up doing those right off the bat and like really relying heavily on like that as a teaching tool. I did not. I rarely touched my students. Um, And if I did, it was more like awareness, like, you know, just light touch, not manual adjustments. But I got really good at doing them on him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm a, what is it, a, 
what, what was the style of, of yoga you did for a while? Jiva you, Mukti. Jiva Mukti. I was like, I'm like Jiva Mukti level yeah. rotating this guy's spine right now. Um, and so that, I don't know what happened and why we stopped meeting it. It, it. it was something that it kind of fizzled out. A lot of my private clients just sort of fizzled out. Yeah. Um, I have to say I'm lucky. I never had like weird, mean, disrespectful clients. Um I then I had another client. He was a he was an Argentinian doctor working out of like some hospital in New York, and his English was his English was, was you know sometimes a challenge to communicate with him, um, and so that was a part of what was difficult. But then the other thing that was a little bit difficult was he had back pain, and so he wanted help with that. And, and you know we were doing yoga, but I, there was such a limited repertoire of poses that I was capable of helping him with. Mm -hmm. And then at the same, he's a doctor, right? He, I, I can't remember what kind of doctor he was. I think he might've been an orthopedic doctor, <laughs> uh, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. He might've also been a neurologist. So who knows? I can't remember, but he, you know, was looking to me as a mm -hmm. yoga teacher, as a doctor, right. looking to me to help him with his back pain, which is so interesting. And, um, and, and some days like what I would help him be able to do would help him. And some other days he would say, yeah, last session was too much. And I was in pain yesterday. And it's like, I was just like, oh my God, I don't even know yeah. Yeah. Wh what should I be doing right now? And, um, and, and of course, like, you know, I wanted the experience and I wanted the money. And so I probably should have, uh, you know, I don't know what I should have done, honestly, like, it's hard to say in the moment. And it's hard to remember exactly everything that um, was exchanged and everything that was happening. But it did seem like he was not too concerned about it. That's the thing mm -hmm. is like, he was just sort of like, yeah, this is the way it always is. Like, I just have back pain. And um, sometimes it, you know, it has nothing to do with your session. And then other times, like, it, it seems like it does have something to do with your session. And, and then, you know, he, he seemed to think overall that the the sessions were helping. So who knows, but I kind of had to really feel uncertain a lot of the time working with him of like yeah. not wanting to mess up and not wanting to hurt him. Right. I mean, I, and I had very few tools to be able to, yeah. to work with him with. I will say <clears throat> having had a few doctors as patients, mm -hmm. um, you know, certainly as a PT, I don't have that moment of feeling like, Oh, I'm not qualified or this is outside of my scope of practice. But I will <laughs> say a lot of them are so unembodied it is <laughs> mind blowing. And, yeah. and also, um, the the understanding that movement might help mm -hmm. is there's a cognitive dissonance for a lot of medical professionals around mm -hmm. that and um so so mm -hmm. in what way like do you mean they don't believe it will or they, they do believe, believe it will it. or they or they're you know they're not trained mm -hmm. to to think that it will right that's not right. the that's not they're the hammer they hold that's drug. not the tool in their it's toolbox yeah surgical intervention mm -hmm. you know things like that it's right. changing it's it's definitely improving and i don't want to mm -hmm. like you know, paint every single orthopedic surgeon with the same paintbrush. A lot of them also will do their thing and then they'll be right. like, okay, now you need to go to physical therapy. Right. You know, but mm -hmm. I've also had the experience with my own orthopedic surgery where they were like, you don't need physical therapy. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm pretty sure I do. It's one of those um, things when you're a hammer, everything's a nail. Exactly. Kind of yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, as a yoga teacher for a long time, I thought that everything could be solved with stretching. Because right. I was a hammer and everything or was an nail, you know? Some sort <laughs> right. of yoga pose. Yeah, yoga. Yoga was the panacea. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I bought into I bought into that idea that yoga could pretty much fix anything yeah. um, as well. And so, 
yeah, I didn't I didn't really know why I was there. And I dread I dreaded teaching privates um, mm. a lot of the times too. like I kind of dreaded going. And then when I was there, I was constantly checking the clock. Mm-hmm. And then on my way out, I was kind of a little bit like, oh, I'm so glad that's over. And I do attribute it now looking back at to to this kind of cognitive dissonance of like, why, why am I here? Mm -hmm. On one hand, I'm here to make money. On another hand, I'm here to get experience. On another hand, I'm here because, you know, you're, you're, you're easy person to be around. You're a decent person to be around. You're not not like a bad person to be around. And, and then, and then also like, I don't really know what I'm doing, where we're going with this day to day, what we're even going to work on. I'm not sure how you're going to feel when I arrive and like what, what this is going to require of me. Yeah. And then all of the inexperience of then feeling anxious as to whether or not I'll be capable. Like I didn't have a strong sense of self-efficacy in the moment. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure that I would specifically be capable of handling the moment, whatever it was that arose. Yeah. Now, uh, I'm sitting here with you today as someone who still meets with clients one-on-one, but now I'm meeting with uh, strength clients, people who are working with me on their strength. And so mm-hmm. I am kind of not, not person. I don't consider myself really a personal trainer. I'm a strength coach. I like that. I like that title mm-hmm. better. And so what's different for me now is because of the nature of the work that I'm doing with my one-on-one clients, there is a much more defined goal, which is strength. And that's, that feels more defined than what I thought or wondered about what I was doing when I was meeting with my yep. yoga clients. Not to say that you can't have a defined goal with yoga. It's just that I didn't because I wasn't, right. I wasn't. Well, and I think, I think it can be my perspective. nebulous. Like yeah, training strength, there's really obvious things where you can be like, oh, look, you, you know, two weeks ago you were doing that with 10 pounds. Now you're yeah. doing 15 pounds or, or something like that. There's really clear markers. Strength when is I, very trackable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that um, yoga is not trackable. Like, like you can have people who are like, I really want to work on arm balances, or I really mm-hmm. want to work on head, you know, something within mm-hmm. their asana practice. Or sometimes it's like, I need someone to help me with meditation and breathing and mm-hmm. relaxing. You know, those are all tangible goals. Yes, but they I are. Think a lot of the time, um, you know, and this is where, where you can run into frustration, that sense of like, well, what am I here for? What am I doing mm. when that hasn't been, discussed or set up. And I, and I, you know, certainly as a yoga teacher, I didn't know to do that. So the people, I mean, I have, I have a few people in mind where I remember just being like showing up and being like, I guess I'm sort of teaching like a, like a, like a private vinyasa class. I guess that's what I'm sort of yeah, doing. Yeah, like I'm kind of yeah, I'm 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 leading a group class but with a with a but with just a group of two or one. Yes, a group of one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how I felt with the guy who liked the the back mm-hmm. the back adjustments. Yeah. The, the deep and twists. It can, it can feel that way. And <laughs> the thing is that might be what they want as it well. Is, like that it might, was what he wanted. Yeah. And and you know they may it may be that there isn't a goal in terms of something tangible to work towards. It's more of a you know, I want to take, I want to practice physical yoga asana. I want to do it in my home with a teacher watching me and Mm -hmm. like, you know, period, full stop. Like that's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's also fine. And I think, I think part of it then is the yoga teacher is that, or the, whatever kind of movement modality, recognizing that there may not be trackable goals with that necessarily, but that Mm -hmm. may not be the point. Like, Mm -hmm. um, 
I say this and I, and I say it with, with absolute, uh, the, the clients that I have that are, are this, mm-hmm. I am very much endeared to. And so I say mm-hmm. this as a as sort of a joke, but sometimes you're just there to be the cheerleader mm-hmm. because if you're not there, it's not happening. Right. So it's less about, I'm Com- trying it's about to, accountability. Yeah. It's less about, I'm trying to like achieve something. And the, the achievement is really, I just, I want to be doing this. And unless you're here uh-huh. somehow, I'm not going to, like, I don't, yep. I don't set aside the time. I don't have the discipline or I, maybe I don't have, you know, it, it, it's a lot to know until you're a yoga teacher. It's a lot to know how to, you know, structure us, you know, a, a session of yoga for yourself, you know, yeah. so you need that professional guidance. Yeah. Um, and sometimes sure. that's what's happening. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. And that's what you're doing too as a group class teacher as well. You're you're creating some form of accountability for students because right. otherwise everyone would just practice alone in their, you know, apartment or house because they didn't need that external accountability. But right. but actually the vast majority I think of of people actually do need that external accountability and that is a very important role that we yeah. play in students' lives in your patients' life. Um so but I have to say now that I'm facilitating these privates that revolve around building strength. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I love it because, and this is just based on like the content of what I'm teaching, but I love it for other reasons too, which I'll get into, which are more actually business related. Mm-hmm. But what I love about teaching strength is that when you're working on strength, you're actually repeating a lot of the same things time after time after time to progressively overload them. So I'm not doing a whole new repertoire of of movements. Mm -hmm. I have in my Google spreadsheet, the movements that they did last week, and there might be slight um, changes to those exercises, but I know exactly what they did. And I know exactly how much they did, how much Mm -hmm. they lifted, how many reps they did. I know exactly how hard they felt they were working after each set. Um, And so I, I open that up and I open up zoom and I, you know, looking at that. And then they come on like five minutes later and I, and I'm like, okay, I know what we're going to be working on today. And then I, and then I'm able to be like completely 100% present with what Mm -hmm. it is that they are doing and adjust from there because I don't have in my head, like what's coming next, which I was the type of yoga teacher, which would uh, come to class with a rough idea of what I was going to teach. And with privates, part of the benefit of any private strength, yoga, Pilates, whatever it is that you are going to often have to adjust your plan based on what the student needs. And that's what they're paying for. They're paying for you to be able to respond to them and them only in the moment, day by day, according to what they need. But with strength, um, because I don't have to be thinking about what's coming next, like I would when I was teaching group classes and and one-on-ones of like, Mm -hmm. okay, this person, generally, this is what we work on, but how am I going to structure the session and how can I make it a little bit different and a little bit more whatever that they need? With strength, it's like all written out for me. Mm-hmm. And and then I feel like I just have more space to relate and more space to be present and pay attention mm-hmm. than I and I'm also not talking the whole time. Okay, because when you're leading someone through you're not necessarily talking the whole time, but pose by pose by pose, there is kind of a walking them into the pose and having them be in the pose and bringing them out of the pose and taking them into the next pose. And these like before the pose, in the pose, after the pose requires words. But with Mm -hmm. something like strength, where it's largely reps and sets based, you teach the exercise, you reinforce some of the main cues, you maybe give a little feedback, but otherwise they're, they're working and you might count for them a little bit. You might remind them of tempo or breath, but there's more space to not be talking and more space to be watching. Mm -hmm. Then there's the rest periods where you can have a conversation with them. Like you need to rest for a minute before we do the next set. 
So you looking forward to your vacation? Right. Uh, all that your doggies, you know, here rooting you on or, you know, you know, things about their life or also like just filling in some of the gaps, maybe in their understanding about why they're doing what they're doing, you know, talking a little bit about last session and what you're seeing now and like progress and like relaying back to them, reflecting back to them what you're seeing and, and, and reinforcing those positive changes that are occurring. Like there's more space for all of that. And that is what feels to me, that interpersonal connection that I'm able to make, there's more space for that, yeah. is what feels and makes it so much more rewarding to me. And so I just, I look forward to the sessions and um, I enjoy teaching them. I feel good before, during and after. So it's kind of cool um, yeah. what I've been able to, you know, learn and kind of reflecting back on when I was teaching yoga now and how, if I were to go back to teaching yoga privately, which I, which I don't actually currently, I'm not taking on private yoga students. I'm only taking on private strength strength students. That's a decision I made. I was like, this is kind of just what I want to do right now one-on-one. Um, but if I were to go back to teach yoga, how would I do it differently is, you mm -hmm. know, something that I'm thinking about. I was like, yeah, I would probably take a completely different approach to, you know, to this. I'm not sure right. what it would look like, but yeah. having this plan and knowing that we're kind of together going in a particular direction is, is very fulfilling to me. Absolutely. And, and the, what you're describing, the, the not necessarily, not the content necessarily, but the, the, the format of the hour is honestly kind of identical to what I'm doing in the clinic for sure, mm -hmm. but also with my private physical therapy students, because we also have a goal and the goal mm -hmm. is sometimes the goal is getting stronger, but sometimes it's, you know, or it's a, a sort of like general concept, like I want to have better balance. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it is, I have ankle pain, mm -hmm. I have knee pain. And the goal is about getting them out of pain and getting them yep. back to whatever the activity is. And, and so it's mm -hmm. that same thing where it's like, there'll be periods of time where I'm having them show me an exercise or demonstrate their homework. And I'm not talking much during it. Cause a lot of time I want to just see them do it mm -hmm. without me telling them what to do. So I know where we need to adjust. Right. Yeah. So it is nice to have those periods of time where you're, it's not that you're not working, but you're not outputting anything. You're allowed to just have some time to, to observe Mm -hmm. then, you know, the, the sort of time when I get to talk to them would either be in a rest period. That's, that typically mm -hmm. happens more in the clinic or, you know, I do a fair amount of manual therapy. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as I'm doing manual therapy on someone, generally speaking, uh, I'm not, you know, they don't have to do anything. Um, you know, it might be commenting on what they're sort of finding uh, in their body, but that's a time when I can be like, you know, oh, so what'd you do this last weekend? Or do you have any plans mm -hmm. coming up or, you know? Yeah tell me about that concert you went to or things like that. And you get to have that relationship build in those moments. Yeah. And the other thing about strength training is that it's unlike yoga. If you're like lying down on your back and stretching your hamstrings or, you know, kind of just doing a more passive stretch that there is space in the students. Uh, you know, oftentimes there is, if they've been, if, if they're not brand new to yoga to like want to chat you up a little bit, but with strength training, they're not chatting me up while they're doing their reps and sets. They're focusing on lifting the weight because it's actually pretty effortful. Right. And so there's this clear delineation between we're working mm -hmm. and now we're talking because right. we're resting. Right. This is the space for rest. And I'm keeping my eye on the clock and I'm chatting them up and then I'm like, okay, let's pick up the weight again. Let's do another set. Right. right. And so it, it just makes it very easy because I know you talked a little bit about how your couple were real talkers. And I, mm -hmm. I definitely had the talkers as well, where I would get together with them and I knew that they needed to talk. They, they were maybe alone all day or, you know, they were anxious about something. And I was the person that was there to listen and, 
And so I would let them talk, but I would often feel conflicted about how much talking we were doing mm-hmm. and how little yoga we were doing, mm-hmm. uh, asana really. And, and, and I, you know, now I think I would be a little bit more relaxed about that and be like, this is what this person needs right now. And so this right. is what I'm going to make space for. But before it felt, I felt a little bit conflicted about it yeah. with the strength training clients, like it's built in. The, the talking, mm-hmm. the relating, like we can do that while you rest because you right. actually need to rest your body. So let's, let's chat um, yeah, or not. It, let's not chat. Why don't you get right. a drink of water and right. Right, go to the I bathroom? Think, right. well, you know, I, I still, even with, with private patients that I work with or, or patients in the clinic, um, there'll be times there'll be, I'll, I'll recognize like, okay, this is, this person's a talker. And mm-hmm. part of the conflict that happens for me in that scenario is, uh, if they are expecting some amount of results, if we're mm-hmm. trying to change something, mm-hmm. but they're spending so much time talking that we don't actually get to do very much. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, why am I not getting better? So, so there, you know, yeah. I, I have learned. Um, and I remember, I remember, um, cause I did a lot of like shadowing and, and stuff, you know, before becoming a PT, I remember watching this other PT just straight up interrupt her client mm. the entire session. And I was like, oh, that's so rude. And then I started realizing like, sometimes you actually absolutely have to, and people are talking just because they're talking. Mm. And literally it's like the moment they take a breath, you're like, okay, let's lie down on your back. You're going to do da 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 da. And you have to just like change what's happening, you know? Yep. This episode is brought to you by Movement Logic, a library of evidence-based movement therapy tutorials to help your students who are in pain and looking to you for help. What most movement teachers need are critical thinking skills to be able to respond to their students' needs in the moment. But let's face it, whether it's a private client or a student after class, questions about what to do about pain and discomfort can be challenging to address for a movement teacher. However, it's possible to be able to address students' needs skillfully using evidence-based reasoning and tools, all while staying within scope of practice. This happens by becoming anatomically and biomechanically informed, gaining a deeper understanding around pain science, and acquiring a diverse set of teaching tools that you can apply immediately. With Movement Logic, you will do just that, all while building a foundation of critical thinking skills to reach a broader clientele. Want a free peek of what you'll learn in our tutorials? Right now on our website homepage at www.movementlogictutorials.com. You can sign up for our email list to receive updates on course sales and discounts. When you do, you'll also receive four free pelvic floor videos that take a movement-based approach to working with clients with an array of pelvic floor concerns. Within these videos, we help you understand specifically how the movement or breathing exercise can influence awareness of and connection to the pelvic floor specifically, as well as many other structures it directly influences. Go to movementlogictutorials.com, enter your first name and email address, and get four free pelvic floor videos. And now, back to our episode. And so I became much more... um willing to to do that and not be concerned that they're going to be like mad at me because yeah he wanted to tell me this story or something you know but yeah some of it is um and I think again that comes with with experience and time but some of it is recognizing you know if you're if you're teaching a session as a yoga teacher privately is this if this person doesn't have massive goals it may not be such a big deal to let them talk if you're trying to yeah. achieve something then you might have to say something like okay, so let's take this next chunk of time and really just focus on, you know, your whatever 
practicing mm-hmm. this pose or something. And, and I'm yeah. going to give you some cues and, and kind of like take the reins back a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because if this is truly a goal, we only have so much time right. to work toward it. And I don't want you to then get mad at me that the goal is not happening when it's not happening because you're spending half of the session talking. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about all the work that goes into private sessions, private clients that mm-hmm. doesn't really have to do with the in-session work, mm-hmm. but sure. the scheduling and the, um, you know, maybe when you first start working with a client, like the lead up that goes into kind of figuring out what they want, their goals, mm-hmm. their needs, their interests, their dislikes, their injuries, things like that. Um, and, uh, and, and like, what, what did that look like? And now what does it look like? Is there a difference between the way that you conduct the admin, for yeah. lack of a better word, yeah. uh, you manage your schedule and, and, and work there's with a that? Huge, there's a huge difference. Okay. Part of the difference. Does it have anything to do with why you now like teaching privates and why you maybe didn't? Um, this it, difference? It, it partly does because okay. one of the things, one of the differences now is a lot of the admin uh, is, is, is automated. So it's much easier for me in that sense. Um, you know, when I was teaching privates, it was, you know, the 2006, seven, eight, you know, somewhere in there, um, where the software did not exist that Mm -hmm. I current, that I use now. So I, I didn't have the opportunity. So, um, the, a lot of the admin of it was, you know, okay, well, am I selling like class packs for a private? And if so, collecting the money for that ahead of time and in what format is that money Mm -hmm. coming? And, Mm -hmm. uh, am I asking the, for the money to come in a format that maybe I don't have to announce all of on my taxes? Mm -hmm. What? Um, and scheduling, you know, are we, Mm. am I tracking their schedule for them? Are they, do they have a set time and day? If they don't, because they travel all the time, do I have to like be sending them emails to be like, Hey, did you want to do something this week? All of that kind of stuff. So the, the, the baseline of it was much more work, just, yeah. just sort of like chasing up kind of work. Right. Um, and the big difference now is that I use an online scheduler mm-hmm. um, that allows me to, when somebody so usually I get emails from people through my website being like, Hey, I want to do a private session. How do I do it? And yeah. my, I have a, a pre-written email response. Yep. Written. Copy paste. Written. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so, podcast, you know, copy paste with like a few word changes, you know? Yeah. Um, and it has a link to my scheduler. And then, mm-hmm. so the, the, and all you have to do with your online scheduler, if somebody is not using one and wondering about it is, you, you know, you go in and they, they, they're pretty user-friendly and you set up a calendar and then you get to block off times that you don't want to be available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it takes a little bit of tracking of that. Like if things change or, yeah. or whatever. And I've certainly had some bloopers where somebody's, yeah. somebody's booked something and I'm like, Oh, I Whoops. am not available. But mm-hmm. for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But especially the thing that I like about it is you can set up, you know, for me, it's a, a clinical intake form. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, liability and all that kind of stuff, but you could set up just like information that you wanted to know about the person. Like if you were, if you were teaching yoga, like for me, there's questions like medical questions that I put on there, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to be that. And the other part that I love about it is they cannot book a session without paying for it in advance. Yeah. And so then I'm not chasing people for money. Yeah. It's they've paid already. Um, I'm very clear about what my cancellation policy is mm-hmm. I'm very clear. I also, the other thing that I love is you can't, you can, you can say how like, like, for example, 
right now for me, it's nine o'clock in the morning. There is no opportunity for someone to try and book a session with me at seven o'clock tomorrow morning, because mm-hmm. I say like, it can't be less than, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours or something. Yeah. So you know, these like surprise attack, you know, things. Yeah. Which you can, you can create buffers. To, like you yeah, can't, you can't book that. with me within the same week. It will always be the following week and right, no right. more than two months out. Yeah. Right. Three months yeah, out. Like I used to have yeah. a client that would text me at 10 o'clock at night and be like 6am tomorrow. And I'd be uh, like, uh, like, yeah, I guess I'll leave the bar right now. <laughs> or whatever. So it, it automates a lot of those things. And, um, I really, I write, I rely on it pretty much exclusively. Yeah. Um, and so that, that is, that's been a, that's a huge game changer and it just makes everything much, much easier. There's no, I'm not chasing people for money. I'm not chasing them to try to schedule them. I'm paid in advance. Um, I, I have already decided, and, and there's times when I just block off entire weeks where I'm like, you know what, I'm working on some other project. I'm not available. So, so you're, it's a much easier way to create boundaries and then not have to have like, you know, entire conversations with people where it's like, well, are you free here? Here's when I'm, here are my windows. What are your windows? Like, it's just like, put yourself in wherever you want. Yep. I, uh, I have this superpower that I've developed between then and now uh, that has made it uh, very easy for me to book and schedule my clients and keep them on a regular schedule. And her name is Christy Ann. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her name is Christy Ann. Uh, so I have a virtual assistant and she is fantastic and she is not me and she is not me so there are two not me's i'm referring to that make her incredible at Mm -hmm. booking private clients so first of all people reach out to me in all the same avenues they probably reach out to you online via the various social media networks and email and website and things like that and then i uh confirm with them uh a time I do have an online scheduler. Sometimes I, because if they, if they seem like their inquiry is a little bit like, oh, I might want to try private, then I just link them to the private page on my website where they can read the instructions for signing up for privates, which involves using my online scheduler. But a lot of times people, when they reach out to me, have a very specific um, idea of what they want and they seem committed. And so we'll just discuss a time that would work for us both. And then I hand that person over to Christiane. So Christiane does the invoice. She does the needs analysis if it's a new client. So they get this Google document or this Google uh, form that they they fill out um, with a bunch of questions that I need that I can benefit from knowing. And then um, their time is set. And then every Friday, Christiane reaches out to all the private clients and is and confirms the session, mm-hmm. sends the invoice unless they've paid for a package, and. And I and I don't charge a different amount for a single or a 10 pack. It's just you want to pay for 10 up front. Great. That's easiest. Let's do that. Or Mm -hmm. one at a time. That's fine. Christiane takes care of all of it. And this is great because it's not me and it's not me in two ways. One, it's not me. So that means that the client it's like when you book a flight. Okay, when you're like, I'm going to take a vacation or I'm going to go see somebody and I'm going to book a flight and I'm going to go on Delta's website and I'm going to book my flight. You don't go on the website, not sure about when you want to leave. And then you don't book the flight and then go, Ooh, I want to change it because oh, that's not going to work for me anymore. Like you go in very certain that now I am committing to being on an airplane on this day at this time and being in this state 
during these days and then flying back on this day. And there's no like changing your mind. And if there is, it's a big hassle, right? Well, that's kind of Christiane is like the airline now. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. You know, she's very, she's very good at what she does because she's very direct and pleasant and clear and organized. Mm -hmm. But people kind of know, like now I'm dealing with this third party and it's not as easy to change my mind because I got to go through Christiane, right? Right. So that's awesome. It's not me. And it's not me because she's organized and clear and direct and she's not attached to the business. She's detached. She's just working for me and she's just, you know, doing her job. Right. And um and she has very good boundaries and she's very clear. And so it's wonderful. It's yeah. wonderful. And here's the thing, like you I was always hesitant. My parents were public school teachers. They were not business people. I the idea of paying someone to work for me and do my work is a very unfamiliar thing in my family. Like they were public servants, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have employees when you're a public servant, unless you're like working for a company and there are people under you, but you don't pay them directly. I have people now that I pay directly and I'm learning to become more comfortable with it. But but in my mind, the story I would tell myself is that like, I can just do this myself. Mm -hmm. It's so easy. It's admin, whatever. It's an email. And, um, And I would try to do it myself and it would end up being the death of joy, as you often, there's a wonderful phrase, the death of joy, because that is not how I want to be spending my time. And uh, because she's so efficient, the amount of money I'm paying her to do this part of what I'm asking her to do, because she runs my Pinterest account, she does a lot Mm -hmm. of other things for me Mm -hmm. that I pay her a lot more money for, because it takes her more time. Mm -hmm. This hardly takes her any time because she's so good at it. Mm -hmm. And the clients I'm working with are wonderful, and they're respectful of our time and our boundaries. But I think that part of why I can have this running so smoothly is because they're going through Christiane. She's she's really not spending very much time at all on this week by mm-hmm. week. And I don't have to worry about it. Right. And I'm hardly paying her really anything for I'm paying her her hourly rate, which, you know, is what I pay her for all of the time she spends doing all of the things for me. But the amount of time she's spending on this is very, very little and it's 120 million percent worth having her do it it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me christiane if you're listening (laughs) laurel loves you thank Um, you (laughs) i definitely run into that thing of like especially when it's something i know that i am capable of doing myself that thing of giving it to somebody else to do yeah hard you know but yeah but it's usually, you know, again, it goes back to this idea that we were talking about with the private sessions of like, how much is your hour worth and mm-hmm. how much and what are you getting out of it at, mm-hmm. instead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if someone is listening to this, who's not feels like maybe they're not in the at the point where they need someone to help them or whatever, I will plug again, the online schedule only because mm-hmm. it does a lot of those things. Um, and it's a robot. Yep. And so I exactly. think it's the also, same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Christiane is not a robot. Let me just be clear. Well, we, but, I work uh, with an online scheduler and Christiane. That's the yeah, thing, right? Yeah. And and um, I don't know. That just that combination yeah. works. Well, however it works for, for you. you know, yeah, exactly. The thing that I like about it as well is it sends out a reminder to them and to me, yep. you know, two days before or whatever. And, yep. and um, you know, I think it just depends on what, what works best for you as a as a teacher. But I, I definitely think getting some sort of assistance, whatever that looks like, with the admin side of it makes it much, much less stressful. Because I also mm-hmm. remember having to be like, 
okay, well, today was number five of your package. And you're, you're sort of, it's like a slightly awkward moment where you have to mm -hmm. ask the person for more money, hope that they're going to say, oh yes, I want to do five more of these like yeah. within their rights to be like, okay, well, I'm done or, you know, I'm leaving for three months or something. So there's always that kind of eh, 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 moment. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, no, it's really nice not to, not to. And I think there's something about it. I just it can show up and do my job. I love it. Yeah, you know? exactly. If it's automated or if there's a third party that somebody's working with, I do mm -hmm. think it puts people on notice a little bit. I think it makes them kind of sit up a little bit and like, oh, this is very professional. That this too. A random person in Birkenstocks asking for some cash. Physical. Right. No offense to random people in Birkenstocks. I wear Birkenstocks every single day. So. Yoga teachers do have a reputation of being a little bit um, flaky. And flaky and also uh, easily, I don't know, taken advantage, advantage yes. of, yes. honestly. Yeah. And so the 10 you, p.m. text person, I finally had to say, yeah. you have to book before 6 p.m. the day before. And part of it was yeah. that he wouldn't know his schedule. But I was like, I cannot, right. it cannot be happening. But he knows the schedule and when he books a flight though, doesn't he? Right, exactly. There exactly. you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Suddenly yeah. he knows his schedule. Right, exactly. Everyone knows their schedule when it matters. <laughs> when they're dealing with Delta. Also, or I United wanted to say Delta is not a, uh, uh, <laughs> one of our sponsors, but if they would like to be, Delta, <laughs> if you're listening and I've got a lot of travel coming up and I would love to do it with you and talk about how great you are. I heard Bueller. a friend of mine just flew Delta from Australia said it was fantastic. Delta, if you're listening, apparently your transcontinental flights are just to die for. It is my favorite major airline, if that is helps it? at all, Delta. Yeah. Delta, we love you. Yeah. This podcast brought to you by Delta. <laughs> just gonna be sponsors yes i'm gonna, gonna write the ad copy and just uh, do some <laughs> advertising for Delta. i think we have to get to a lot more listeners than we probably have right now at episode whatever this is 18 oh, oh i hope so but, uh, i yeah. hope so we're gonna break a million listeners well but with this with movement call. logic as our sponsor i'm not sure we really even need delta <laughs> you know Listen, sorry delta never mind i would like some miles i'm not we can't lie. even you know, you can't afford us <laughs> Okay. Now right. uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff, all anecdotal. Of course, this is all just us spitballing and sharing our personal experiences. But I, I'm wondering if we could summarize, list mm -hmm. and summarize some of our, our top pet peeves slash reasons we weren't big fans of teaching privates before. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then maybe we'll talk about, uh, you know, reiterate what's changed. Yeah. And then based on that, perhaps there are some more universally applicable tidbits of advice that yeah. could be beneficial yeah. to our audience. So what we're like, I don't know, I don't want to give you like a, a number, but if you do like numbers like three to five to your seven pet peeves of teaching privates yeah. when you were first starting out, what what were they? Um, and, I'll, and I'll jump in and just, you know, yeah, okay, mine too, mine too, mine too. Yeah. And we'll go back and forth here. So, I mean, a lot of them I've already, I've brought up one of them yep. was definitely having to chase people. Chase people. For money, for when is the appointment happening, mm -hmm. or am I seeing you next week? Or are you going, you know, all of that kind of thing. So yep. having, having to do so much of the admin part that is, that was um, tracking people down. Yeah. That wasn't, it wasn't just sort of, you know, automatic. Um, yeah. I didn't like, and, and, and I would say now the, the onus is on me to create this, but I didn't like it when I didn't know why I was there. Mm -hmm. um, and 
you know, I would sometimes figure out a reason why I thought I was there and just be mm-hmm. like, well, I guess this is why I'm here. Today. But, Tomorrow yeah, it'll be different yeah. or whatever, you know, always, next week. <laughs> it wasn't always because of something that they had communicated directly with me. It was mm-hmm. me sort of like looking at the situation, mm-hmm. like the, the couple where I would show up and I was like, all right, well, my time here is to just sort of babysit them while they talk to each other and occasionally mm-hmm. yell out some yoga poses. Right. And that's all they want. They don't want anything different. Yeah. You know, so, so that, so not knowing why I was there. Yep. Me too, um, by the way, those two are yeah. mine, mine yeah. as well. Any more? Um, when it was exclusively in person before Zoom was a thing, because a lot of my work was as a yoga teacher was pre lots of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, the effort of traipsing all over town to go uptown for one person. This is when I was in New mm-hmm. York and then in Tribeca for another person. And then maybe mm-hmm. over to Brooklyn, like there was a lot of physical travel mm-hmm. that I had to do between different, different people sometimes. And that would be, that would be exhausting. The nice thing living in Los Angeles, I still travel, but I drive, mm-hmm. which is physically to me, at least quite a bit easier. Yeah, um, it is, I guess. I mean, I don't get like all worked up in traffic jams. Uh, no. <laughs> like my husband well, it's, sometimes, to but... me, you know, in, in LA, especially because you do drive a lot and often it's not even that geographically long of a distance, but it's just, yeah takes that long to get there. I the started... subway, the subway is a real bummer sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, New York. So yeah. it's like, you've got your little air conditioned space. Yeah. Music. All music or a podcast, or mm-hmm. if I need to call somebody, that's when I'll call them. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like, yeah, you can talk on the phone, right? You know, downtime ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I enjoy driving and I consider it to be me yeah. time because yeah. I get to do all these other fun things. I usually totally. don't talk on the phone, but totally. yeah, listen, listening to um, podcasts. So yeah, the, that kind of like, you know, chasing all over the place kind of feeling, mm-hmm. um, working with, you know, what I had to learn how to do was actually fire people. And before mm. I learned how to do that, I kept working with people that either I didn't really like them or mm-hmm. they didn't seem like they really liked me Yeah, Something about it was, I would just always go in with some sort of dread, not because yeah. I don't know why I'm here, but it was because like, I don't really like this person. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's not that, a good, not, not a match. And I learned how to fire people. I, there's a yeah. really good phrase that I learned. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it so you learned, much, you learned your no, right? I learned how to say no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but I think those are, so maybe those four, four. Were my top, top. Yeah. Piece. I share all of them mm-hmm. and my, I will add that I know what I'm not there to do mm-hmm. so much better, which is I'm not there to travel to you and you're not going to travel to me. We're going to do this on zoom. At least that's mm-hmm. where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I have like people in my neighborhood here, like kind of asking me what I do. And then they're like, oh, maybe I should, we should. And, I'm, and in my head, I'm like, ha ha, no, <laughs> not yet. I'm not, yeah. I'm not ready. Uh, I, I like my Zoom. I like my Zoom one-on-ones. Um, and I'm not there then, of course, I'm not there to do, if I did start teaching in person, like I, I wouldn't probably be there to do like strong hands-on adjustments, right? Because <laughs> right, that's right, right. not what I'm there to do. And I'm also, right. um, I'm not there to teach anything other than strength right now. Mm-hmm. Anything that doesn't involve picking up something heavy for the purpose of of getting stronger. Uh, and so, yes, w- you know, I do actually teach yoga sessions to my strength clients when they've, you know, they're tired and they're, they mm-hmm. don't want to do strength. Like, mm-hmm. not to say that I refuse to teach mobility or yoga. It's just that the the larger arc of why we're meeting is to, right. to work on strength. And right. that feels really good to me. So those five things are the pet peeves that we've we've addressed and that we've shifted and we've we've come to like teaching privates. Um, I guess what we could say to teachers um, as you are meeting with your private clients to so just have 
uh, have in mind that the client needs you just like you need them Mm -hmm. and that you have a say and you have a lot of control over what your work looks like and what it doesn't look like. And you can learn your no's, right? You Mm -hmm. learn your yeses and you learn your no's. And there's a lot to be said for figuring out how to make that admin virtually disappear because it does not have to be a huge time suck. And if it is turning into a huge time suck, that's actually a red flag that the boundaries are not clearly not clear enough. Mm -hmm. You may need to fire somebody. You may need to hire somebody. You may need to reevaluate your own boundaries uh, because that really should not be a thing that you have to worry about too frequently. Um, So yeah, cool. I would would agree. The admin really should be automated either with something like a website or with a person. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. At this, at this point we have the, we have the technology, right. So that you can set yourself up like that. Yeah. And, and I'll add, actually, I want to add two more things. One is that when, when someone approaches me for privates, um, I'm listening for whether or not I want to work with them, probably Mm -hmm. as much as they're listening for whether or not they want to work with me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm paying attention to, right, if I write a really thoughtful, long, lengthy response to one of their questions, and then I don't hear from them for five days, that says a lot to me. Yes. about their level of commitment and interest. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I'm just not going to give them a lot of my attention and energy uh, potentially, you know, and and that's and that feels really good. It's like, okay, yeah. don't this this is one less thing I actually now have to worry about because right. they've kind of shown me their level of interest in their in their intentions here. Um to a certain extent, it's not like I've completely written them off, but that that means that that communicates something to me. And then the other thing is uh, that, oh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. So it's, um, I'm listening for whether I want to work with them. Oh, uh, the setup for beginning to work with someone is such an important time. Mm-hmm. And I am very happy now that that includes sharing with them this Google form that mm-hmm. asks them a yes. ton of questions and invites them to go into a lot of detail, for example, about their history with exercise. Mm-hmm. And like, what did you like doing? What did you not like doing? Do you have any injuries that you are concerned about working with? Any pain, aches and pains, things like that. And like, what's the equipment you have? List all of it. Um, tell me everything you have. Uh, where are we going to be meeting? And and all of these things like upfront to get all of that information up front and to then very thoughtfully start to project out, like, what are we going to, what am I going to be doing with this person and how should we begin and how can we progress within their, within their means has just been a game changer. So that's another, that's another little thing that um, I kind of was just stepping in flying blind in the beginning teaching Uh privates. And now I can't even imagine doing that. Um, No way. Um, and it saves everybody a ton of time for them to fill out that form, me to read it, and then we're not beginning f- either one of us at the very beginning. Like now, I already know quite a bit about you right. and have a, a really good idea of how to start well, how to begin well. And beginning yeah. well is, I think, really important. So um, I uh, I recently had a new private uh, patient that I've started working with, and um, we we sometimes with people if it's and this is strictly because sometimes their medical conditions are more complicated they may mm-hmm. want to talk on the phone with me beforehand things like mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. I'll and I'm happy to do that um, and this person in particular 
their concern was about whether, because they had, they have a chronic condition. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so their question was whether I could do anything to help them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, as we spoke on the phone, we discussed, you know, I discussed my history of working with people with that similar condition and what I've been able to do and things like that. And this person came to their first session with me and I will sort of break into my one thought and have a sub thought about it, which is absolutely yes to the getting the information ahead of time. But then also what I typically do in that first session is say, this session is for learning what you need, starting to to make the plan. So we may be doing more information gathering this first Mm -hmm. session and follow-up sessions. We're just going to jump right into the work because I already know where we need to go or have a sense of where we need to go. It's amazing what the second session can be after the first session. Totally, But I think especially if you set up the expectations for that first session, the person's Mm -hmm. not like, well, why didn't I do more why don't yeah. we lift more weights or something like that? So, so you make it clear, you yep. create a boundary on what that session is going to be. But so what was interesting to me uh, during that first session is that at the end of it, the person was like, oh, so, so you think you can help me? And I was like, in my head, I mean, I didn't say this, but in my head, I was like, you wouldn't be here if I didn't think I could help you. You know, right. like, for me, there's a, there's an editing that happens ahead of time. Like, like I remember this one person reached out, um, you know, I wouldn't, you wouldn't be in my office if I right. thought, well, I don't know, but let me, let me let them pay for this, which is right. not cheap and mm. come here. And then maybe I'll see if I can. So, yeah. so I did say to that person, I was like, you know, you, I already know I can, I can help you, but they, they needed to see me sort of in action as it were yeah. to, to, to get a sense of whether they thought I could. Help and rightfully them. so, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I remember this one person reached out one time and um, they, they sent an email and they were like, you know, you were recommended by blah, blah, blah. And I've had this problem for, you know, 20 years and mm-hmm. I have this other problem, this other problem. And I see an acupuncturist and I go to my chiropractor and I have another PT and I get a massage every week and I da, da, da. Do you think you could help me? Mm-hmm. And I responded and I said, no, um, <laughs> not because I probably couldn't help that person, but I did not believe that that person actually wanted anything to change. Ah. And so I, I said, no, but I didn't say like, just no, you know, I said it mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not sure that we, because my, my honest feeling was if you are going to all of these other people, mm-hmm. uh, I'm never going to know if what I'm doing is helping you. And also, if you're already going to all of these other people and none of it is helping you, then we're barking up the wrong tree. Mm. You know, your situation is something, you know, at this point, I don't, I don't know what it is, but right. all of these other people with physical interventions cannot right. help you. Yeah. Why am I? And I, I, I kind of got the feeling because some people, sometimes people do this, that they, she was, um, they were just collecting. Consuming. Yeah. They were collecting practitioners. Yeah. They, they wanted to have an acupuncturist. They wanted to have a chiropractor and a physical therapist and a massage therapist and whatever. Mm-hmm. The and, staff. Yeah. And, and they, you know, when I said my initial sort of no email, they responded with like, you know, don't, I don't want you to be afraid of like, you know, all of this stuff that I have. And, you know, I, I responded with like, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I just don't want to be, you know, I, I, I put it much more politely this than this, but in my head, I was like, I just, I have no interest in being another person that does nothing for you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the learning to say no. And sometimes for me now, I'm much better at saying no before we even meet. If, if I have a feeling similarly, like if, if somebody takes a long time to get back to me, I have a feeling like they're not taking this seriously. It's not a hard no, but I'm not like being like, great. See you soon. You know, I'm just sort of like, 
here's my scheduler. Goodbye forever. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's, that's a, it reminds me of, you know, how I will often address people who approach me with like very specific injuries slash diagnoses who want to work with me privately. And what I need to get out of the way right away mm -hmm. is that the things we're going to be doing will not at all be me treating this condition. Right. It right. will be me helping you uh, get moving with the condition. Right. And, and, and a lot of times I don't think that that's what they, they want me to solve the problem. Right. But I'm not, right. you're like, that's, that's not what I mean. It ain't me, babe. Yeah. And the other, the other phrase that I learned as a, as a way to say no, as a way to fire clients was when I was still exclusively teaching yoga. And I, I, um, this couple had been referred to me from, I think a physical therapist and I went to their house and from the from the get-go, I was like, something's off here. Something's really mm. weird. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't exactly know what, but I just got like very weird energy. Mm. And what I realized was she wanted to be doing this and he super did not. Uh -huh. And he had sort of been roped into it by her. Uh -huh. um, and basically what he was giving off was very like, I don't like you and I don't want to be here energy uh -huh. for like an hour. And I think oh, I had two sessions felt with them. Excellent. <laughs> it felt, that felt great. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh. And I think I had like two <gasps> sessions with them. And then I finally, I reached out to her and I said uh, the phrase that I learned from someone, which is, I don't think I'm the right fit for you. <laughs> so you fire them by firing yourself <laughs> because that way it's not, you're not saying that there's brilliant. I don't like you people or something like that. Right. Um, you're just being like, we're not, this is not a good fit for your yeah. needs. And you it's know, not you, it's me. Exactly. It's, a, it's exactly, it's not you, it's me, but that's a, that's a very polite way to get out of it. So, so, you know, that's a, that's a good phrase awesome. to, to, to be able to use. Um, yeah. Sweet. This I feel has been a hopefully very helpful conversation. I know it was helpful for me, for our listeners who uh, stayed on to listen to this episode because they have at one point in time felt like they don't like teaching private clients. And because it is such a, uh, I think there's just so much to gain from teaching one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Uh, the obvious one maybe being like financially, we are actually compensated well in a one-on-one -on -one scenario compared to group class teaching. And uh, I think there's just an enormous amount to learn from teaching privates about how to teach and how to be with people, which is probably 80% of teaching, yeah. is just learning to be a human uh, with another human. And so I think teaching one-on-ones can make us much better teachers, much better people. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to be learned about business and boundaries and taking your work seriously and protecting your own time and establishing healthy boundaries that could potentially teach you about how to do that in other relationships in your life mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, I hope that what we've shared in this episode has been helpful to you, teacher, if you are listening and going, yes, 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 I want to um, improve this this arm of my business and, and get better at it. Uh, because I feel like Sarah and I, uh, I'm, I'm not perfect at it. I'm still learning. I'm always still learning. But I do feel like I have improved my ability to teach private clients on multiple levels. Um, so this has been really in interesting conversation. Thank you, Sarah, for, for being here with me and sharing your stories. A note to you listeners that you can check out our show notes for links to references that we mentioned in this podcast. And you can also visit the Movement Logic website where you can get on our mailing list and be in the know about sales on our tutorials. 
and other nerdy tidbits of information we share. Join us again next week for more movement logic and more of our strong opinions loosely held. Until next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and you want to support us, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like to watch, head on over to our website at movementlogictutorials.com forward slash podcast, where you can watch the video version. We'll be back in your ears next week to nerd out about movement without taking ourselves too seriously in the process.